0: And welcome to episode 92. Uh, kind of skipped a week because, well, last week was hectic, uh, for Shaggy and myself. I, I simply, for whatever reason, got tired and fell asleep. <laughs> so I slept my week in a way last week. Oh, thug life. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, this week we both decided let's continue the theme of, you know, mobile versus stationary gaming. (laughs) And, um, wow. Um, (laughs) do you have a a pop
1: up with some sound or something?
0: Um, what had happened was I clicked the thing foolishly. It opened up the live stream for the hangout session, (laughs) Um, they've they been changing some options as of late, which once, once I figure it out, it's, it's better, but I prefer to figure it out before we broadcast, but that's all right. Cause apparently, um, I, if I want to start hangouts on air, I can do so from the, you know, official page by going, you know, clicking a little thing and going to hangouts and then start hanging out on air and boom, it's, um, Unbeknownst to me, I I forgot to close the little <laughs> thing there, but so it, it started broadcasting at the same time I started recording. So uh, one second delay, and I'm like, oh, oh no! <laughs> when I saw the little playing in the background, I was like, no. I apologize for that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, anyway, we decided to keep the theme going for mobile versus stationary because there there are differences. Stationary can be you're sitting at a desktop. Actually, you can even have a portable computer like a notebook or laptop. Game console that, you know, hooks into a TV versus, say, your mobile phone, your tablet. Something that you take with you. Um, But um, you chose an interesting game, and I I chose a port, an Android port of a popular game. Mm -hmm. Um, And I figured, let's start with your game first. Okay. Um, So for
1: for this episode, I decided to pick a game, Kingdoms of Amalur, Reckoning, and... I have a lot of reasons why I picked this game and primarily because it's a role-playing game and I stuck with that theme like I did with the last episode where I picked BioShock. However, in this case, there's no first-person aspect. It's third-person and it's uh, it's not top-down isometric, it's third-person um a third-person role-playing game. Ro- they consider it a role-playing or action role-playing game according to uh, like either the Wikipedia page, or if you go to their actual wiki page for the uh, Kingdoms of Amalur, um, and the the when I first came across this game, I was still in school in Sedalia, and I thought it was just absolutely amazing. The graphics were really, really, really nice. It's not intense on a system either. So if you have if you have a lower power computer, anything with at least a dedicated graphics card. I mean, even nowadays. Uh, a lot of common PCs have strong enough integrated graphics that you could run this game on lower settings and it'll be completely playable based on the, the the way the engine works and just everything behind it. And it still looks very, very good. The environment and everything is very, very nice. Now the character uh, character definition and profiles for that aren't quite as good as they could be for the level of graphics that the game really has. But Really, you're not immersing yourself into that character so much. You're immersing yourself into the world. And then the gameplay itself is what brings you alive, uh, brings you to a connection with that character. Um, another reason why I picked this was because of the customization and the practically limitless options that you have with your character. You have uh, four different playable races to start out with, which are two different types of humans and then... different types of elves they are called Almain and of varani for the humans and the dakofar and i'm not sure how to pronounce the second one for the elves so i'll just leave it at that (laughs) but um and each one grants different um bonuses to like skills and these skills allow you to do certain things in the game like stealth so like if you want to sneak up on someone and kill them that way do some snake attacks, you always get that critical bonus damage like you do with most other games. Um, There's also like different other aspects. You can play like a roguelike character, which will uh, take that stealth into uh, uh, into play, and then you can combine that with some other abilities. Uh, There are specific abilities in the game as well, which have three different tiers, which focus on might, sorcery, and then... Uh, Finesse and the finesse is primarily for like your roguelike characters, your sorcery is for like your mage like characters, and then your might is for like your warrior based characters. Now you can mix and match anything from those trees as much as you want. Granted, there's some restrictions on the higher level things, but you can create someone that's completely balanced, so like this kind of like battle mage rogue kind of thing, whatever you want to call it. Um, And then based on how many uh, points you put into each of these tiers of these abilities, you unlock things that are called twists of fate. And that ties into the story a little bit, because your character that you play, regardless of what gender or whatever, the character is basically what they call the fateless one. Because at the beginning of the game, it drops you in, it it brings you into this cutscene. And this cutscene is basically dragging a dead, or what you think is a dead body or they're dragging a a couple of gnomes are dragging a dead body, which is another race in the game. Um, Basically it's similar to a dwarf or a halfling from like the Lord of the Rings universe. And they're dragging this dead body in a cart, talking about the, this what's going on at the beginning of the story. And you get thrown into this pile of dead bodies. (laughs) Then, you come back to life because you're basically dead you come back to life and you have nothing but raggedy clothes on you're in this pile of stinking rotting dead bodies and there's nothing you don't know what's going on there's a chest over in the corner and then it puts you right into that spot you immediately you you have a quest and you have a map and you have map marker but you don't know what's going on so it's it's really interesting and you can kind of sense from the gameplay that uh, it was originally designed to be an MMO game. So it's very the gameplay is very enjoyable. It's very engaging. But it's the story is a little bit simpler. And that's due to the fact that it was designed as an MMO game, not necessarily as a single-player game. So um, there's all kinds of other different aspects that lead to uh, uh, different ways that you can play your character. There's also... Uh, another game mechanic called it's um, uh, something to do with fate. Forgot exactly.
0: Like one of the things I read up on the the uh, twists of fate is, you know, everything goes in a super slow motion, and you can just kill a bunch of enemies all at once.
1: That's basically what I was talking about. I forgot what they ex- exactly it's called, but you're basically twisting. What they consider fate is basically like the fate in the literal sense, is in you, your destiny is chosen, but your character isn't limited by whatever your destiny is. You it's completely open and free reign, so you can do whatever you want, and that ties heavily into the story on how the entire story plays out, and you have some choices. It's not, it's not um, super complex and really large with the choices that you have, but you have some sense of freedom, especially with the customization of the character. But that twist, twist of fate, when you perform that action, you get bonus damage, slows time down, so and you get bonus damage resistance too. And then after you, if you kill so many enemies, they all kind of like hunker down, and then you have the ability to perform like a special kill. And it's always at random regardless of how you set up your... Ability trees. Uh, you can use like this giant lance that's like the size of a troll, or a hammer that's like the size of a building. I mean, it's just it's crazy. But it picks it at random, and then you do uh, you get bonus experience after you perform that action from all of the enemies that you've killed, and you can perform it on
0: one whatever enemy you want. So that's because um, like the the everybody has a fate. Or as in they have an end predetermined ending to their life, and your character, because of their nature, they can alter somebody else's fate by interacting with them.
1: Yeah, and that's that's what the story really plays heavily on. Um, you you kind of find out about it a little bit at the beginning because you basically defied death. Uh, your character is a human. Or, well, you have the choice of being a human, but you also can be a uh, an elf. But there's certain types of uh, characters in the game that are, are races, rather, that are basically immortal. And they consider one of the playable races, any one of them you choose, they can call you Child of Dust because you're immortal. But in this place, in this context, you've pissed off a lot of people because you defied death. <laughs> so it it twists the story another way. And the DLC, I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet, but the DLC is pretty interesting and throws you into some uh, little different variations of the same game world. So that that's going to be interesting once I get to that part.
0: Because I, um, I just like the idea that. Um... Basically, it's you're in a sense restoring free will to everybody, so that not everything is predetermined for all of them. Mm -hmm. Like like one character was one NPC was supposed to die at the hands of a monster because you were brought back to life. Your character, they were saved from that fate. For example.
1: In the in the case in that case, uh, that's really close to the beginning of the story. There are types of uh, kind of like a job or a profession. They're considered fate weavers. They have the ability to tell what another person's fate is by just kind of looking at them or touching them, and. In this case, he he knew his own fate, and he had been preparing himself his himself his entire life. And then, when your character intervenes and basically prevents that what he thought was going to happen, completely screws with his mind, screws him up, and then he doesn't know what to do. And that character is particularly heavy drunk, so he just drinks more. <laughs> it's a little amusing,
0: <laughs> but um, I I. Yeah, yeah, I read the spo- I read the spoilers for the story. I'm not going to reveal them here, but it's it it does have plenty of twists and turns from the looks of it and I think it's I saw in links that I looked it up on it's available on Steam as well, so that's what I have it on right now. That's the
1: platform I have it on, but it's also available for the PS3 and the 360, which are both now uh older generation consoles, but the game came out Three years ago, roughly, almost four.
0: Um, Since EA owns it, is it also available for their platform, Origin, as well?
1: I think so. I'm not sure. I haven't messed with my Origin account forever, so I'd have to look. But I'd imagine so.
0: Because, like, but yeah, I, I may, I may, I may hunker down and give it a try at some point. I haven't decided yet. I imagine my system would be most of My systems would be enough to play them,
1: as long as you have dedicated graphics. And well, you have to run it on Windows. You can't run it on Linux without going through a bunch of hoops and then using Wine.
0: It oh, okay. really it's... will detriment your performance when it comes to that. But okay, so it's not it's not Steam Play ready then. No. Okay,
1: it's only built for. Oh, poop, really? It's only built for um, Windows at the moment. It might be built for Mac, but I know it's not for Linux.
0: Because, yeah, because I, cause I looked. So, let's see, I looked it up. Where are you? No, not here. Not here. Um, Kingdoms of Steam Powered. And, of course, I'm going to have to enter my date of birth just to even be able to view this. (laughs) Uh, This is annoying. It does have some
1: slightly graphic content, even if it is a slight. It's a tad bit on the um, cartoony side, but it's still a little bit serious. So, I mean, it's just it's just the artwork in that sense, I guess.
0: Oh, they've got 3 uh, DLCs. Um Legend of Dead Kill, Teeth of Naros. They also have a weapons and armor bundle. So Yeah, they don't um at least a gig of RAM, which I more than have that. Um, um I don't I don't have a GeForce 800 but, um, the card does have five twelve megs of RAM. Um,
1: as long as you have something similar or better than that, you, it's gonna perform just fine. And I had something with with a gig of video RAM, and it wasn't the best graphics card. It was I think hundred eighty or hundred seventy or hundred and eighty dollars when I bought it, so it was really it's fairly cheap. For a high-end video card, and it ran it flawlessly. It ran it smoothly
0: at 1080p too. So, like, and I'm looking at some minor screenshots, and I, I can, yeah, I can see some of the artwork here, and it looks pretty, pretty nefty. definitely definitely worth a try I I hope they make it seem ready one day that would be nice but looks like it's only available on Windows at the moment not even OS 10 can run this thing I'm not I'm not surprised
1: it's it is EA well and it was their development studio didn't build it for mac platformers strictly for consoles and then
0: it was ported to windows right and i'm sure one day it'll they'll they'll change their minds and expand support or steam will just have a compatibility layer of their own that's unique but um, the interesting story behind it is uh, 38 Studios was subsidized by the state of Rhode Island. They are loaned $75 million for the sole purpose of bringing 38 Studios to Rhode Island to try to combat unemployment and what have you. They get this thing out there and they go bankrupt. And... It, it was a hit, but it wasn't enough of a hit to satisfy then Governor Lincoln Chafee. Cause they need according to Chafee, they needed to sell about three million copies just to break even. Um, but EA eventually bought that studio out after the state had taken control of all their assets and everything else. So that and you you said that before we started that they're they're kind of sort of back in business now.
1: Yeah, it's under EA's label now, but they're working on... Uh, they've done some iOS games and Android games since then. It's very similar to uh, Clash of Clans. I forgot what the name of it is. Um, but the, the uh, big, huge games is back in business, and I think they might be planning on making a sequel, and it would be awesome if they did, because I personally love this game, but they're they've got jobs available and stuff like that so dominations that was the game it's free to play on uh, the app store for apple and uh, google play for
0: android now since you're talking about you know the computer for the platform you're using a mouse and keyboard for for controlling your character Mm -hmm. um moving the character around with the mouse how does that work
1: uh, in terms of this game, it's a little bit clunky. Um, it can be depending on the settings of your mouse, and a lot of gaming mouse mice tend to have pretty high DPI settings, which uh, if you don't know what DPI is, it's basically dots per inch. It's similar to how a printer prints. It prints ink in dots and how many dots print it can print, uh, print. per inch it can print is how fast it can perform and the same for a mouse it's just uh mice uh laser mice in particular are measured in dots per inch a um, mechanical mouse is a little bit different but nobody uses uses mechanical mice anymore um but it depends on the setting and the this camera just follows it's pretty sensitive and that's that's really all it is um but the keyboard the keyboard controls are fairly yeah, somewhat intuitive. They can be a little bit complex when it comes to certain things, but um, it's pretty straightforward,
0: like most uh, computer games. Um, like, are you able to use a gamepad with it or not so much? I
1: would imagine so. I'd, I'd bet that you could probably even hook up a 360 controller and it would work just fine. Uh, if it was built by EA and it was built for a uh, or published by EA, they usually put a lot of the emphasis on stuff like that. And it was built for a console originally, so
0: okay. Um but yeah that and for those of you who are wondering, it's it's twenty bucks on it just the game alone is twenty bucks on Steam. Um the whole collection, including all the downloadable content, is like forty dollars and of course it requires an agreement to uh third party end user license agreement which is e a that's <laughs> e a for you well, but That's one thing you gotta expect when playing a game from e a yeah but it looks looks fairly entertaining and and if somebody's wanting a different game to try that might be one to give a shot to um the game i game I chose which which I, you know, first of all, the challenge is I I own this little tablet right here, this RCA tablet, which um, many, many moons ago talked about how kind of problematic parts of the touchscreen on this thing are. I will eventually have to get it replaced with something else because um, I looked at their warranty process and apparently it's a pain in the ass and I'm not going to deal with it. I'm sorry, you shouldn't have to pay a company to replace a dud. that's stupid um, <laughs> it's beyond it's beyond the fifteen days anyway for where I bought it from and going through r c a themselves No, nah, um not for a minor annoyance like that. if I avoid those certain parts edges of the screen, I'm fine and the game the game I chose was Final Fantasy III, um they chose a third party company, I Think Matrix, to help port it, Square Enix. And instead of 2D graphics, it's three D graphics. And and the it's it's very appropriately programmed as an RPG for a tablet. Like if I were to move a character, you know, this way on this tablet, for those of you who are watching the video there's a little compass like thing that pops up on the screen. The character moves and it's the usual save the world by collecting all these crystals, by beating all these monsters, bringing light back to the world, blah, blah, blah. You know that it was, you know, common theme for the few of the games in that series. Um, but in this case, there's job classes that can be chosen. Um, they all start out as freelancers meaning they can equip just about anything um they can learn many minor spells and things like that but the downside is that there's no major boost to their stats um and of course attacking monsters you can either tap the monster and tap it again to attack it choose to attack it with each character or you can navigate the menu system um game saves You can actually save your game to the cloud, so to speak. So if you get another device and you install it on that new device, well, you can restore your, you can pick up right where you left off. So, Um, but that's pretty straightforward. Um, you, You can pinch and zoom in and see little sparklies to either trigger hidden switches to. Access different areas, find hidden items um, you know a lot of straightforwardness to the gameplay but but if if you don't want to get lost there there's walkthroughs online that can also be applied because it's basically that that game it's basically you know same games that you've played, but with a major facelift and added features so um, I was thinking about eventually obtaining their, the port of Final Fantasy V because they added a couple of extra job classes to that just for Android <laughs> users, uh, Necromancer being one of them.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, as soon as they come out with Final Fantasy VII, I will be happy and I will get it for that. Of course, um, iOS users, um, are very, very privileged to be able to run that on their devices, which makes me want to punch Apple executives in the face, so to speak, for being there first.
1: I don't know why it is that they're always, Apple seems to always be <laughs> on top of it when it comes to things like that. Um, I think part of it may be because they have. They have uh, they offer support for their platform, maybe a little more support than Google does. However, from my experience, they also have not made an iOS app, but I've used Google's APIs pretty heavily, and they're they're very easy to understand. So I don't see why. Well, I don't know. Um, I'm looking at it from a different perspective, and then that that may be my problem.
0: Um, well. And there's like, so there's various nuances you have to deal with, whether it's a computer, whether it's a console or mobile, um, you know, you're, you're dealing with people like either Apple who have, who either gets mad that you announced that you made a new release, but you announced it for Android or other competing platforms before you announce it for Apple. That will irritate that company. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it this is the you know this is the same company that albeit it was inevitable announced had a huge announcement for a digital pencil and 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 uh, Matt Hartley who writes about free and open source software likened it to announcing an otter box <laughs> he wasn't impressed uh, I it's not the first time that a company has
1: come out with a stylus slash pencil for a device, and well, it, it's bad enough that Sony, with a lot of their devices, with their Xperia platform, which I had, a, I have I still have my Sony. You can write on that on the interface. the The interface is designed in such a way and sensitive enough that it can detect whether or not a pencil is actually touching the screen, and you can draw with a. Physical, literal pencil. Boom, Apple. Boom, <laughs> beat that.
0: <laughs> well, it's sort of like Apple announcing that, oh, we're go- with our new phone. You can you can call through Wi-Fi networks when. Okay, T-Mobile's not the greatest carrier in the United States, but they've had that feature since 2006. they They've had it for years.
1: <laughs> yeah, they've had it for years.
0: Um, they they they've done that for many many years so but but the but the port does run fairly well on on of Final Fantasy 3 does run fairly well on this tablet and only has this tablet's only got like 1 gigabyte of ram in it um and only like a, and it doesn't have the fastest processor but it has good enough graphics and everything else it runs fine and honestly, it actually is better suited to run on that side of a 10.1-inch tablet than probably on a phone, although you probably could run it on a phone if you wanted to. I I actually like seeing what I'm doing a little bit more, but whereas a game like WWE Mortals, um, a more compact screen might create more responsive gameplay on your part. But with an RPG, a bigger screen might actually come in handy. Um, But, um, but pretty much it's, it can get a little bit wonky with moving the character around. Um, You may find yourself backtracking and trying again until you move the character to the exact right spot that you need them at. Um, sometimes if you want to talk to an npc you have to tap when the exclamation point appears and sometimes they may move out of the way and you're like hold still damn it <laughs> hold still and and all of that but uh, all in all it's looks fairly straightforward so um i i'd say it's it's worth what I had paid for it at the time, which I don't remember what I paid for it at the time. Um, it's, but it's, I think it was sixteen dollars. I can't remember off the top of my head. Mm. Um, I may try Shadow Run next on it, although I do know Shadow Run takes up a lot of space. Oh, really? And they recommend against running any other apps <laughs> at the time because huh. it's it's a memory hog, apparently but but then again it's basically an entire you know it's ported it's a pc game ported down to a mobile platform um it's still going to be huge <laughs> huge download in and of itself but um but all in all i i think it's i think it's worth purchasing though i i'll probably save up and probably Give Final Fantasy V a shot, or or wait until I get a slightly better device before I load it up with games. Because this thing does okay. It's just I got somewhat of a dud, and um, it it gets annoying after a while. So I'm like, yeah, but but it functions okay. Um what games are you thinking about trying next? Are you thinking about trying mobile games or do you, do you think mobile gaming is kind of a curse on the plight of, on the, or blight on the landscape of gaming?
1: Uh, well, I, I don't necessarily think it's a blight on the landscape of gaming, but I'm not a fan of mobile games and that's for sure. Um, I'm, once I switch to a PC for playing games, I'm a PC gamer, and I will always be a PC gamer just because I have more freedom at like customizing the level of graphics that I can get. Like With consoles, you're set. You're screwed. <laughs> They're set at a certain level, and sometimes you even have frame caps. So then the performance of the, the system, even if it can perform better, it's locked to a specific level, so that way for power reasons or for design reasons or for whatever, whatever the reasons are, you can't go past that. And on PC games, you never see that. I've only seen that with one game in my entire library of 160 games. And that was because it was a console port.
0: (laughs) So, I, um, I, I will say consoles like the original Xbox you could actually mod to add more RAM to it which actually solved um there was which one it was it skyrim was part of that series elder scrolls one of the elder scrolls games if you had too many spells you would crash the game it was a memory issue and people were able to solve it by you know modding the console to have more ram on it um also ran into another Friend friend of mine ran and I ran into another issue with some other game. It was one of those where you run onto a battlefield hack and slashing opponents and under under a scenario you get past it, screen turns black and doesn't move beyond that. The game just <laughs> freezes from there. I'm like, oh, looks like we found a bug in that game. Either it was hardware and a software. I have no idea, but, um, but yeah, consoles consoles uh, are a little bit harder to patch <laughs> than, than than a full blown desktop. Although there are there have been attempts to put out consoles that are, you can upgrade or customize a little bit more, but they're basically glorified HT PCs. Um, the such as the Alienware's alien, alien offerings for their little console, quote-unquote console, which is Steam with big picture mode on it um, that we talked about a few episodes back. So, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't... Do you think that console gaming is going to kind of fade away for a while, or is it just going to stagnate and just still be there or it's hard to say because because I see more about about you know PC gaming nowadays than I do you know consoles you know there was news about PlayStation 4 and they'd get a certain remake first and then Xbox one but but now there i haven't seen much major news not even from nintendo but it's and now konami's getting out of console gaming and altogether and going towards the mobile platform Hmm. which which has one of our co yeah that that's one of the reasons why one of our co hosts sees uh mobile gaming as as a cancer. Um you
1: know let me guess let me guess it's uh Curtis isn't it?
0: <laughs> um, yeah. It, which I, I can understand the frustration because there've been a lot of fans of uh Metal Gear Metal Gear series of games. Um And I can understand that frustration. On the other hand, there's only so many Metal Gears that you can make, and the one where it talks about the war economy. To me, that should have been the last last game for Metal Gear. Period. Um, Snake with the gray beard and everything else, you know. And after it ending, you know, that should have been it in my mind. That should have, you know. There's only so many times you can add to that storyline, rehash storylines and things like that. It's, um, before it's time to create something new anyway, <laughs> because they're, they're, they're the company that backs Yu-Gi-Oh! the card game. They're, they're into other, other things. Um, I, I think they're trying to stay ahead of the curb, which is kind of why we, we've been doing this mobile versus stationary type of gaming, showing the pros and cons, you know. And sometimes one of the cons includes for mobile includes cl- if the cloud goes down or if your internet connection just shuts off, you're kind of screwed. At least with Steam, the game is down physically downloaded to a section on your of your hard drive, and you can just play without the online features, depending on what it is.
1: Yeah, it it does depend on the game in that case, because there are some games that, uh, like in the case of uh, certain games by Ubisoft, they will not allow you to play the game without authentication from their servers. Um, there's also certain games by EA that require you to log in. And that's becoming more and more popular nowadays just because it's harder and harder to regulate uh, what's going on. And it's to keep people from trying to crack the games and trying to download them illegally and play them for theoretically free. So it's unfortunate.
0: It is. And and, and the only way that free and open source alternatives Alternatives can pop up as if enough people are passionate and interested enough to, and motivated enough to do it. And that's not always the case. But you know, you know, even even with affordable monthly offerings of you know this and that as a service, there are still people who are like, I don't want to pay any money, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um. It, it's frustrating too, because <laughs> I, I kept I kept trying to point out to a buddy of mine, hey, you know they've made it to where it's a little bit more affordable. You're not paying like hundreds of dollars at a time, or you know nearly a hundred bucks just to play a, an epic game, or half of that. And they they still weren't going for it. They'd rather pirate it, you know, and crack it and things like that. But and it's it's sad, but um at some point I see I even see the standalone games kinda of starting to go away to a point it's gonna be more more of a collect content based platform like Steam, Origin, uh Google Play, um, you know, the iOS App Store those places, even the Windows Store, um, it's, it's moving more and more towards those. Yeah. So, I think that just about wraps it up for this episode. We're, we're kind—I'm kind of talked out about all this stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm—I'm I'm a little worn out
0: myself. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think—I think next episode, see, you know, get more on the perspective of you know why emphasizing mobile platform is not necessarily best for gaming either. Because it's good to hear all sides of that. Um, If I can get a hold of Curtis and say, hey, uh, let's see what we can do on on that front. Because certain things are kind of, you know, I can see the frustration. And I think think there's something that's going to happen in the gaming industry that's going to either force it to adapt and change or it's just going to nearly evaporate and it'll be the 1980s all over again waiting for the right company to just come along and go family entertainment because um, that's what happened in the 80s with Nintendo saturation kind of just nearly destroyed the market <laughs> but um, uh, we will s- see you all next week and I'll make sure not to <laughs> <laughs> have a stream playing on at the same time. That, oh, that was embarrassing. Um, but uh, and it happens. <laughs> and we'll we will talk to you next time. See you guys later.